Have your Bibles, let's open up to the book of First John. I want to welcome those who are live streaming with us on this day. Um, I know that I've been told that we've got a couple from different states as well. And it's good to be with you guys here in the house of the Lord, for we are the house of the Lord. So we'll be in First John today, we'll come to chapter 2. But first of all, I've got my red tie on for you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Special occasions, got to put my tie on. And all you youngins out there, there used to be a day when we would like take this really heavy paper, it'd be folded, and there would like be um, like some graphics on it and maybe a poem in the middle of it. And then we would open it up and then write with a pen, sometimes in cursive, and then we would put it into an envelope, put a stamp on it, and drop it into a mailbox, and it would be um, welcomed by our sweetheart. Um, for Valentine's Day. Somewhere in my attic is a box of letters that Stacy and I wrote back and forth to one another. And before my kids go and try to find them, I need to get ahead of those real quick. <laughs> not, sure what, not sure what I wrote all those back in those years, but doing long distance relationship, we wrote about three or four, five letters a week to each other. Also kids, just to remind you that Hallmark is not just a channel that you watch cheesy, cliche Christmas movies. It's actually a store where you have greeting cards that we would send each other before it was just gifts and emojis and um, quick things like that. This is the romantic holiday where we celebrate our undying love for our sweethearts and flowers, candy, gifts. So who's your Valentine today? This was a weekend being a bachelor for myself. My wife, my Valentine, will not arrive back this after, until this afternoon. Who is your Valentine Actually, what is Valentine? Who is this Saint Valentine? First, um, since we're more in the Protestant stream of the faith, I just want to let you know, in Christ Jesus, we are all saints, first of all. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight, Psalm 16. In Jude, we contend for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints, now, the Catholic Church will recognize certain individuals as saints. Um, we will see us all as saints. But there are several saints that are named Valentine or Valentinus um, who were martyred. Um, one of these was when Emperor Claudius II outlawed marriage for young men. It's like marriage is going to just make these not very good soldiers. He wanted men to be young men to be singly focused in the army, so he outlawed marriage. But this St. Valentine performed secret marriages um, on the side. And as he awaited execution, he sent notes to young couples, extolling the virtues of love over war, um, long before John Lennon ever did. And he was executed in fe on February 14th, 269. There was another Valentine who was also in prison and fell in love with the jailer's daughter. And they exchanged notes back and forth, and he would sign it from your Valentine. Now, who knows which one of these Valentines is it, but in 469 A.D., Valentine was, St. Valentine was given a feast day in hopes of replacing February's pagan feast for fertility. In the culture, there was a, a pagan feast for fertility, and the Christians thought that they could just overlay that and kind of distill it out, disperse it out, um, by overtaking it. So Valentine's Day is all to be about Christian love and martyrdom. But how is that? Is that going to be today's celebration? And it is good to celebrate love with a sweetheart. But it means nothing if Christ Jesus is not our first love. 
And so I'll also say this. When the church tries to copy the world, um, the church often becomes like the world. And so we're called to be different from the world and not just try to baptize things of the world. But we do come today to the command to love in Scripture. Very apropos. It's not a romantic love with one, but a relational love to all, especially the household of faith. And even in my wedding ring is inscribed 1 John 4, 19. Um, we love because he first loved us. So come with me to 1 John chapter 2. We'll read the first 11 verses, even as we look at the last five. This is God's word. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is God's word to us for this day. Last Sunday I asked the question, can we really know that we know Jesus? And we'll maybe check the box, Christian, if you've got a questionnaire or whatever else, but do you really know that you know Jesus? Because in verse 3 and 5 of this passage we just read in chapter 2, by this we know that we have come to know him. By this we may know that we are in him. God wants us to know how we can know that we know Jesus. How can we know this? And John gives three tests, three proofs here in chapter 2 of this epistle of how we indeed know Jesus. Please, these are not, we talked last week, this is not test for performance. This isn't like do this and do well enough to show that you prove you know Jesus. These are tests to say, let me have humble reflection upon my life, sober judgment of myself, to see, do I really know him? The first, if you're going to perform this out, this is a religion, and we don't want to do that here. We want to receive God's grace and reflect upon this grace as we then do live a life in response to this grace. So last week was the moral test, how we live. We know Jesus if we obey Jesus. We, or better said, we will obey Jesus if we know Jesus. 
Jesus is God in the flesh. Who does he reveal himself to be? The Lord of all, the King of kings. So how can we say we know the King of kings, the Lord of all, and say we're going to still live the way we want to live? It's, it's impossible. You can't say Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is King over all, and yet still live as your own sovereign. So we may not like this moral test, but we know Jesus. We obey Jesus if we know Jesus. Today we come to the social test of how we love. And in coming weeks, next week and a couple weeks, we will be in the doctrinal test of what we believe. But let's turn to verses 7 through 11 this morning on the social test of knowing Jesus. Do we say we love God? The test is, do we love others? We will look at the law of love in verses 7 and 8, and then the life of love, 9 through 11. In the first verses of this chapter, did you hear this? If you know him, you will obey his commandments, plural. But here in verses 7 and 8, it comes to a singular commandment. At the same time, he calls it an old commandment and a new commandment. This is very curious. How can something be old and new at the same time? And what is this commandment? Love. Derek, I didn't hear the word love in verses 7 through 8. And actually, as you look at these passages, I'm glancing at my Bible, I only see the word love once in this passage in verse 10. But this is the, the commandment that infuses this passage. Love is an old commandment. Long before Jesus came here on earth, love was commanded. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. Deuteronomy 6. Leviticus 19. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are old commandments. These are to God's people long ago, way before Jesus came here to earth. These are old commandments. And then this happened in Jesus' ministry. One day, Matthew 22, a lawyer asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. See, there's a lot of commandments, laws in the Old Testament. And a lawyer wanting to test Jesus, say, which is the best one? Which is the greatest one? And Jesus points back to Deuteronomy 6. But he can't say Deuteronomy 6 without saying Leviticus 19 as well. Because they tie together. If we're going to love God, we will love others. If we don't love others, we don't love God. These are the great two commandments, which is actually one. One old one. Love. But then Jesus says it's also a new commandment. How can something old be new at the same time? Because Jesus says it is. 
That's actually enough. Do you remember what he taught his disciples after he washed their feet at, before the Passover meal on the night in which he was betrayed? John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's old. Love is old. Love is eternal. But how is it now new? It's because of the revelation that Jesus now gives it. William Barclay suggests two ways in which it is new. In Jesus, love becomes new in the extent in which it reaches. Love is new now with Jesus in the extent it now reaches. Who is to be loved? Is there anyone who is not deserving of love? Well, in Jesus' time, a good Jew, and especially the religious leaders, would have not loved sinners. Definitely not Gentiles. And they despised Jesus. And what was the derogatory term that they called Jesus? A glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of sinners. He's hanging out with zealots, prostitutes, tax collectors. Because Jesus is extending love to everyone. He opened love to all social circles. To the rich and the poor. He could be with the, the, the lowliest widow but he also could just be hobnobbing in a Pharisee's house. And it was the same Jesus, the same love. The insiders and the outsiders, men and women. I would ask you, are there any social circles in which you withhold love? There are probably social circles that we will go into where we will not feel comfortable. People will be different than us. That, should not, that doesn't affect the command to love. It's not about our comfort level. It's about the command to love. Jesus, God in the flesh, could be in all social circles. He's not actually impressed with any of us. He actually has compassion on all of us. And can we live in love in such a way so that in every social circle we find ourselves in, we can love? Jesus opened love to all ethnicities. Now, he went primarily to the Jews, but there were Gentiles that he ministered to. I might even like the Syrophoenician woman. It's like even the dog gets the breads off the master's table, and he commended her for her faith. But as this movement moved on by the power of the Spirit, this is what he told them. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The extent is now to all ethnicities, to all people groups, ethnos. Nations. Jesus had close circles of friends. He had 24 hours in the day. He had limited emotional capacities as well. He had close friends, the 12. He had Mary Martha Lazarus. He had Mary Magdalene. But he still extended love to all. And he commands us to extend love to all, even to enemies. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. This is a new command because of the extent Jesus is now loving, but also the length. 
that he's now gone to. To what length did Jesus go to love us? We sang like he is mighty. That's That's an incarnation song. This is a Christmas Advent song that Josh threw back in. Consider the length of heavenly eternal glory. Perfect fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And yet in obedience to the Father for an eternal plan of redemption. To glorify God the Father. Creator would become creature. The one who is outside and created time and space would step into it and put on the frailty of flesh. To what length would Jesus love us? In the incarnation, the mystery of it should just floor us every time we ponder it. From heavenly glory to earthly dwelling, eternal God becoming man. And if this does not floor us, consider the length that Jesus went to save us. To bear the judgment of our sin, being forsaken by God the Father, the perfect sinless one, being able to bear on himself, take in our place for the substitute for our sins. Now he was beaten and he was mocked by us. But the great suffering is the forsakenness and judgment he had for our sin. His death on a cross. This is the link that Jesus went to save us. And do you believe that Jesus is God come to save sinners? And my question, real question, every week, and if I don't ask, it's fussing me. Are you a sinner in need of grace? Do you believe in Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Quit thinking you're worthless. Quit thinking that you're overlooked. God so loves you. Believe upon his son, Jesus Christ. This is an old commandment because God is love. And God is old, eternal. Love is not a created thing. Love is an eternal thing because God is triune. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. But among those three persons in the triune community, eternity, been loving one another. The Father loving the Son. The Father loving the Holy Spirit. The Son loving the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Son loving the Holy Spirit. We are created in God's image with the capacity to love. Love is not a uniquely Christian thing. All human beings have the capacity for love, but we are now fallen, and now our sin warps our ability to love. We now must be saved into this new commandment to love. Because apart from saving grace, even what appears to be love is often selfishly motivated. Love is the summary of God's law. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14 What do people in this lost and dying world, in the shaking of these days, what do they need most? They need to know the love of God the Father. How do we know love of God the Father? It's through Jesus Christ. How are they going to come to know this love? Unless they hear. Who's going to tell? You are commanded to show and share this love of Jesus. 
please. This is not religion. This isn't some burdensome rule to follow. This is our joy and privilege because we, we love because he's first loved us. The world is filled with evil. People are lost, hurting, depressed, desperate. But if God has so loved us, how are, are we not so postured to go and so love others? There's a city lighter who last Sunday um, was in a store, going into a store. And um, she saw an acquaintance as she was going to the store, and it was someone she knew from years ago. And she knew that life has been hard for this man. Marriage had fallen apart, angry, bitter at life, just hard. When a day of social distancing, and they were all masked up, I mean, are you really wanting to just go and talk to someone whose life is all falling apart and probably bitter at life? It's easier just to kind of, you could probably just pull your hat down, get your mask on, and just kind of swerve on by and not even have to have the interaction. But our dear sister said that she was felt compelled with an unnatural courage and an urgency to speak to him. She went up and told him straight, she says, I'm not, told him of God's love for him. Told him to stop holding unforgiveness in his heart. Told him to get into a church. Invited him into, our, invited him to ours. And then had our small group pray for him by name on Wednesday night. Why was she able to do this? If she had just had her head down on the task at hand, just to get through the grind of life, having to get into the store, get the shopping list done, and get back out and get on, she would have missed this divine appointment to kind of speak of God's love to this young man. But she's a sister who abides in Christ and daily discipleship, loves the saints, and wants others to know him as well. I would ask you, is the Holy Spirit prompting a particular name on your mind right now? Someone who needs to know the love of God the Father. Are we willing and open and wanting and praying for the interruptions to our life so that we could actually walk into these divine appointments and be able to speak and show the love of Jesus to others who are hurt, lost, dying, desperate, and depressed? we got to get our heads up out of the sand because there's a lot of evil happening around us. We've got to get our heads off of our navels, just navel-gazing at our own self and our own lives and to see the hurting around us. If we have the hope of glory within us, we should be willing to say, God, please interrupt my day. Please prompt and compel me. So our sister said she had an unnatural courage. It's just not, it seems like it was in her. But that's going to even build faith in her and courage even for the next one. It may not look like it. It may not feel like it. But this is the reality that John says here at the end of chapter, or verse 8. Darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Derek, it feels like darkness is increasing and the true light is shrinking. Now, they're not worth those with eyes of faith. God's kingdom has come and is coming and darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. But it's not gone. And so in these next three verses, John gives three examples to the test of love. He's going to do two negative examples and he's going to give one positive example. He's going to sandwich it with the negative, which 
Maybe your communication person tell professor says never do that. Always, or in your parenting class, like always bookend it, sandwich it with the good stuff, and then put the stuff you really want to get at in the middle. John's going to put like the negatives on the ends, and we're going to like look at the good in the middle. And he's going to use the word brother here. And while there is a broader discussion of loving all people, the lost, our enemies, John's focus here is do you love God's people, your brothers and sisters in the household of faith? I'm going to tell you John is a straight shooter, if you've not picked this up yet in this letter. He's an older man, so he's just going to, keep, he's going to say it how it is. It's, he doesn't have any more days left. So the older you get, the just more straight shooting you become. Some of you are wired as young people to do that, but the older you get, you're just like, I'm just going to tell it how it is. But he's also inspired by the Holy Spirit because the church is being, being wrecked from false teaching within and persecution without, and you just got to talk straight into it. And this is what he says. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Verse 9, one of the first negative example here. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. The big talker does not walk the walk. And he's already talked to us, us about big talkers. Verse 4, chapter 2. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He's already told us in, verse, in chapter 1. If you say you're without sin, you're a liar. You're a liar. We can say a lot with our mouths, but it's always our lives that betray us the most, that speak the loudest. It is not enough to declare, I'm in the light. If you hate your brothers and sisters, you're still in the darkness. Now, let's be honest. There are times in which we are frustrated, angry, even enraged with fellow Christians. Have you ever said, I hate so-and-so? And then your mom slaps your hand. You don't say you hate. You don't, you don't say hate. I know I said it. It's actually in my heart. And Jesus says that still counts. Because out of our heart, our mouth will speak. If it's still in our hearts and we don't say it, it's still hate. Even though we may be good and religious. If we have hate in our hearts, we must repent. The only hate we should have in our heart is a hatred for sin. Hatred of the devil and his host of demons. Dwell on that hate. Just have hatred for sin, hatred for evil, hatred for injustice. Just have, let all that, that's good, jealous, godly hatred, but not for other people. We must repent and show that we're not a true, we must repent, and if we don't, we show that we're not a true believer and a faithful follower of Jesus. In chapter 3 of this epistle, John will say, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. All right, Derek, I don't, all right, I'll repent of my hatred. I still just don't like them. I didn't ask you to like them. You're not going to like everyone. You probably don't, you're not going to like everybody in this room. Everybody's looking straight ahead, not going to like side eye that one. We are commanded not to like everybody, but to love everyone. The question is, we cannot disregard another person because we don't like them. They're a brother and sister in the faith. They're created in the image of God. We are the one body in Christ to be, to be built up in love. We are commanded across the New Testament to share one another's joys, 
one another's sorrows, we're to bear one another's burdens, we're to forgive one another, we are to love one another, and this is how the world will know that we are his disciples if we love. Positive example, verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Here is the only time in this passage that we see the word love. But it's there. It's and I love this about the scriptures is sometimes when Jesus will tell a parable and you've got to like really lean in to get it and you really need the Holy Spirit to illuminate it. You've got to lean in to just see that this is love that we're talking about in this passage even though it's mentioned once. Love is the word that perfumes this entire letter Charles Spurgeon wrote as he wrote a First John. Love is the word that perfumes the entire letter. There are two things here about the one who loves. One, the person abides in the light. And so if we abide in the light, this is not some nefarious, abstract, theoretical. Jesus is the light of the world. So if we love others, we're abiding in Jesus. And in him is no cause for stumbling. And this could mean two things. If we don't love others, we could cause them to stumble. Or if we don't love others, we ourselves stumble. Either way, I don't want to parse it out too much. If you don't love others, you can, you can be a stumbling block for other people by saying, well, I'm a Christian, but you're not loving them. You cause them to stumble to really know who Jesus is. Or if we say, well, I'm a Christian, and then we don't love them, we ourselves stumble in our own witness. But this is the truth that we live in the light of Jesus by loving God's people. Negative example, verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is not just a person who's in the darkness but walks in the darkness. Continual, unrepented sin of hatred. See, we can say it with our mouths, but our lives will really tell the story. We say a lot with our mouths. And I accumulate a lot of words up here but it really will mean nothing until you examine my life. Do we know Jesus? We can check the box and say, yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I go to that church. But how we love fellow Christians will be more telling than sometimes what we say. We are never more like Jesus than when we love like Jesus. It's good to be a part of a church. It's necessary to profess faith publicly in Jesus Christ, but it's most telling how we live. And this is what John has been teaching us last week and into this week. We know Jesus if we obey his commandments. Well, what is, what's the command? Tell me what, what's the, the main thing we need to do. Love. We know Jesus if we love God's people. It's really... This is not rocket science. This is not like deep revelations for any like, person who's walked with Jesus for a while. We know Jesus if we obey his commandments. The commandment is love. We know Jesus if we love God's people. Light versus darkness. Love versus hate. Truth versus lies. John speaks in stark contrast. We should have no assurance of knowing Jesus if we do not love. We will not love perfectly but if there's only increasing hate or continual hate in our hearts, we should have no assurance of our salvation. 
Do you love God's people? Do you love them enough to serve them? Do you love them enough to pray for them? Do you love them enough to worship with them? Do you love them enough to bear their burdens? Do you love them enough to forgive them? This is the command. This is not a suggestion. This is from the King of Kings, the Lord of all love. This is His example to us. He has so loved us. And so to be His disciples, we're to walk as He walked, which is the way that He walked in the way of love, in the example of the cross. We live in the light of Jesus by loving God's people. But what does it mean to love in such a day as this? All people have the capacity to love because they're created in the image of God who is love. But apart from God's saving grace, love is warped. How has love been redefined in the public square? What is love? That would be a curious question just to strike up in conversation with a stranger or non-believer. What do you think love is? Years ago, not too many, love was seen as coexistence. There was, there was even bumper stickers here. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to be a, a melting pot, maybe salad bowl of, of, of a nation, of different people, and we're gonna, there's a, a religious pluralism because we have a freedom of religion here. And so the coexist bumper sticker was like, hey, we're just going to coexist. And actually, I didn't like the bumper sticker. Now I wish we could, I, I want the bumper sticker back. I want to see it more in people's Because like, I don't want it to be about universalism, like there's just all these different ways to God, and it doesn't matter how you... But there was at least a tolerance in our culture at that time. And yeah, I'll take the T at the end of coexist for the cross, which has the final say. Tolerance may seem shallow, but to hold a nation together is much more an esteemed virtue than we probably realized in days past. Love, in a socially way, a cultural way, was tolerance for one another. Giving each person space for personal expression, for individual liberties, even if we didn't agree with it. It was this tolerance that allowed for a marketplace of ideas, even as we shared the values of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So culturally, even though it seems shallow, this tolerance was a common grace expression of love of us being fellow image bearers. And much can be said about the change that has happened now culturally to the cause of it in such a rapid, accelerating way. I could speak on the rise of the technocrats, the digitizing of life for power and money, it's the same old sins, just new technologies. But I want to speak to this. It's no longer the coexist. We're now in the days of conformity. It's no longer coexist, it's conform. And love is now seen as assimilation to a new secular orthodoxy. Those who are not assimilating to this, who are not loving enough, to just get with the program, to get deprogrammed, to get reprogrammed and get assimilated. They are censored, they are doxxed, they are fired. 
If you don't get with the program, you'll be labeled as a bigot, a racist, sexist, homophobe, science denier, conspiracy theorist, domestic terrorist. What I will preach when the passages come up, what I preach about life and marriage and sexuality will be hate speech according to this new secular orthodoxy. Derek, it'll never happen. It's already happening in Germany this past week. It's happening in Canada. It will come here. It's already here. And there are coming for many right now, and is anyone speaking out? And they will come for us, and will there be anyone left to speak for us? This is a pressing reality for the church today. How to share and show the love of Jesus Christ in an increasingly hostile culture. You really need to meditate on this and think deeply on this. Our tendency is we can, we can retract and pull away and become monkish and just isolate from the world, but that's not the command of Christ. He says, go love your enemies. Go pray for those who persecute you. Go be witnesses to the ends of the earth. This is a light Light pushes into darkness. It doesn't retract back from darkness. We're called to be different from the world, and we're not called to just be some Christianized version of it. So I know I poked at Valentine's Day earlier, but in so many other different ways, we will just try to baptize ourselves to be just like the world, and we'll be no different from it. This is a very deep question that we must think about. How do we now live? The greater temptation for Western Christians is to think that the world will accept us if we're nice enough or progressive enough. It won't. They'll hate you for it. But John is going to get a little, he's going to get a little more in-house right here. There's also a pressing reality in the church today. How do we seek to maintain the unity of the Spirit and love today? Because the nations are raging Society is pulling apart its fabric. Everything's polarized. And are we any different? How do we take these commands to love and still be countercultural, still be this other peculiar witness to the world? Is our love merely going to be the lowest common denominator of our sensibilities and our convictions? Or is there something deeper and stronger and wider that will bind us? The thing that doesn't want to be said, but the very the things that are, as I talk to other pastors, the very things that are separating churches right now are is the mask. Whether how each church is working its mask um, um, procedures and policies, it's it's separating Christians. The the vaccine is going to be the next one, and we think that normal is right around the corner, but is this just the carrot that's leading us along? We can't just wait for normal life. I think normal has been redefined, and we never got to figure out how do we now live in such a day as this to such a high command to love in the example of Christ. How can we really know that we know Jesus? There's several proofs, and John is just very basic. And I don't want to overcomplicate. This is so simple. We know Jesus if we obey his commandments. But what is his command? Can it be summed? Yes, it's love. This is an old commandment, 
which is also new. It's new because Jesus revealed the extent of it, the length of it, the width of it. We know Jesus if we love God's people. And in loving God's people, we will be a church that will shine the light of Jesus to love a lost and dying world. Who, what name is on your head right now? I'm praying the Holy Spirit puts someone on your heart right now. Who do you know needs to know the love of God the Father through Jesus Christ? And how will they know? God can work through different people, but is he putting it on your heart to go and love, to go and show and share? That may be something intentionally that you need to wrestle through in your prayer life right now. But also, just in the, as you get back into the grind of, maybe not tomorrow if you've got President's Day off, but in these next coming days, or maybe tomorrow, you've got the day off and you're just going to go to a store. Will there be someone that you know that you could just walk past or you could dive into conversation with? The thing that we're doing now is we're all separating. We don't know how to have human interactions and contact and communication anymore. The most countercultural thing you can do right now is to keep engaging and looking people in the eye and showing and sharing love. Just the fear in culture, the digitizing of life, we're going to separate into our screens, everything else is everything, it's a demonic scheme. Everything is just a big grand plan to separate us out. So we all just plug into the matrix and we just get what we need as we're doled out. This God has a greater plan to build a people, a church, a peculiar people, that even in this digital age, it's going to be an organic body built up. Worship together, love one another, look each other in the eyes. Dare to give hugs. This is what will be different about us. And if we suffer for it, we suffer for it. It'll be to God's glory. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's don't talk about loving the world if we don't love one another. Let's don't talk about loving one another if we don't love God. And Jesus told this to his disciples right after he washed their feet. And then right before He was betrayed and beaten and mocked and crucified on the cross. No greater love is this. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Let's pray.